This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, today, guys, on Relatively Healthy, we have such an amazing woman. Her name is Elizabeth Dale, and she's a comedian and author. She's written such books about boobs as boobs and the breast life. And I first saw her when I was doing stand up, and I was so taken because she is a very sexy, sex positive older lady. You don't see a lot of those doing stand up at the open mics. And I just thought she was so cool. And as someone who's constantly fearing age and death to see someone on stage who just didn't give a fuck and was like talking about, I mean, you'll hear it. I hope you love it. I won't spoil it, but if you do check out in the beginning of the episode, yes, we immediately talk about porn. I hope you like it. It's not a fantasy, but where does, do you think like the grandma, the grandma porn thing comes from an experience people have had with older women? Like, is that something that just, it comes from like a fetish from your childhood? (laughs) Not my childhood. Uh, I think it could be mommy issues for sure. But I actually think it's like in all porn, um, in the way they deal with women, it's like this kind of porn has it is an older woman who's teaching a younger man the ropes so he's like under her tutelage and from my perspective as a woman in my early 60s i'm looking at it as like you know i raised three kids i buried two parents i'm not gonna start teaching sex 101 at my age okay (laughs) yeah that's just more work like i mean like women are doing the work at every age Age, and now (laughs) i'm like now i've got to turn around and start you know giving you uh, lessons and and how to, you know, go down on a woman. And I'm like, no, no, no. I don't really care that your dick can stay hard that long either. It doesn't matter to me, you know? Right, right. But then, but I feel like you've mentioned, so I've seen you do comedy and I've seen you mention that sex is better when you get older. Oh yeah, it's way better. Why? Well, because for one thing, you don't have... (laughs) You know, when you're younger, you're very self-conscious about your body. Yeah. Um, when you're older, you realize it's pretty much fucking dying. and It's going to look like <laughs> shitty in another three years. So you got to go for it now. Totally. You're totally like, I don't understand. Like, one thing is you never regret fucking people when you get older. Like when really? you're when you're older, you think back and you think, what do I regret? Maybe having kids. Yeah. <laughs> kind of maybe regret that. That was a little expensive. Sure. And, you know, kind of, you know, they just, they're, it's kind of like a crapshoot with kids. You don't know what you're getting. But 
you know, you don't regret having an orgasm ever. That's so beautiful. Yeah. Do you look back? <laughs> beautiful. That's just so sweet. Do you look back at yourself like when you were in your 20s and 30s and wish you could tell her that? That like, hey, just have sex. Just chill. No, I did all that. Did I, all that. I, yeah, I, I, I was really kind of in this great period when I was single in my early 20s and it was sort of the disco era mm. and herpes hadn't really hit. <laughs> Cocaine was still really good. And uh, yeah, it was like I had this like window of opportunity. So uh, when I got out of my, you know, 25 year marriage, I was like, yeah, not so much looking to be a slut because I've kind of been there, done that already, yeah. that, you know, so that was good. Yeah. And the weird thing when you come out of a marriage that long is the men you meet, um, they're all like thinking that, you know, uh, I've said this before, they all think you want some strange dick, you know, oh. like you want to experiment, you want to have a bunch of hookups and right. And like, you know, if I really wanted, um, you know, uh, an empty, meaningless relationship, uh, I would have stayed with my husband. So. <laughs> Not doing exactly, that. Not doing yeah. that. So did you when you got divorced, did you go on the apps? Uh yeah. I match.com. Uh and then I went on this other app that I discovered later on called um, you know, for old people called Our Time. Oh God. Yeah. Mass will be out of time, you know. Because <laughs> like, I'm sure the men on that are horrible. Well, they're old. They're old. They're, and it's it's really tiring dating an old man. Yeah. Really tiring. For a couple of reasons. One, you know, when you're younger and you think about personal baggage, it's more like the stuff that you can stuff in the overhead bin, right? It's yeah. like your backpack. But when you get older, the kind of baggage you have is like it's steamer trunk baggage. Okay. It's like <laughs> right. 10 pieces coming down the chute and you're waiting at the airport. It's garbage bags wrapped with zip ties. Okay. People have ex-wives. They have ex-stepchildren. They have lots of pets they've yeah. gone through a shitload of pets a right lot of yes. pets. Yeah, yeah totally yeah yeah so i feel like when you get out of that are you looking like were you looking just for hookups or were you looking for a relationship when you were out of the marriage or? Uh, i was looking for material for stand-up that's based. perfect yeah that's great because yeah. you just started stand-up too and like did you just say you started only a couple years ago right yeah and you're so funny it's so crazy to me that you just found it but it's so cool like i was so taken by how funny you were but also just that you were in a room with all these you know, young people complaining and you were like, listen, let me tell you, like, it gets better. Actually, sex is better. And, you know, like you're so empowered and confident. And I feel like people in their 20s and 30s are going up on stage being like, I hate myself. So it was like a very nice break. <laughs> yeah, it's been actually interesting to see the response. I've done some uh, open mics with, you know, guys, younger men, and I'll go up for the first time in front of all of these young men. And um, I'm also always surprised at the reaction. They're like, oh, wow, this is really cool. You know, this isn't somebody talking about wanting to kill themselves. Exactly. Um, so and also I've learned I've got a lot of material from watching other people because I see a lot of young comics complaining about their parents and having issues with them. And I can tell them that, you know, I don't have issues with my parents anymore because they're dead. Because they're dead. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like. <laughs> You you can move on. It's all good. <laughs> There's light at the end. Yeah. And kids aren't everything they're cracked up to be either. I mean, yeah. I think we think this this whole, you know, marriage, kids, career, uh, house. Uh, I had all that. I was living a Stepford wife kind of life. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't necessarily make you happy. Yeah. You know, did you know you wanted to do comedy when you're in the marriage and living the Stepford wife or did that come after? 
I think I was doing it like at the grocery store and I was doing it at dinner parties. Um, I was doing a little bit of it everywhere and I didn't really notice it until I decided to take a class Mm -hmm. and then kind of I got up and started talking about the same stuff I talked about. Um, So yeah, that's been interesting. And, you know, I still find if I don't get on stage, I find myself having these weird conversations at the dry cleaners or with strangers on the corner of the street. Yeah. Um, Because I do. I like it. It's fun. Yeah. It is enjoyable. And it's still new to me where... Uh, you know, I'm not burnt out from it. On the other hand, too, I'm I'm older and I'm not I'm not competing with anybody else younger. That's such a good point. Yeah. I feel like so many people go into comedy being like, at this age, I need to hit this mark and get this show, and all my peers are getting this. But you're going in being like, I just love doing this. This is just what I want to do. Yeah, yeah. And I'm doing that in storytelling mm-hmm. and other writing, obviously too. But it kind of informs my other things that I'm doing as well. I think you have to in life, especially as you get older, you have to push your limits. You have to get out of your comfort zone. And one of the things for me was always getting up on stage was out of my comfort zone until somebody finally said to me one time, well, that would be the point. Mm. Because if you imagine your life and you know exactly how it's set out and you know what you're going to do every fucking day, it's boring. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. not fun. So, you know, we have these fantasies of, oh, I want to be married and have three kids and have a house, you know, in this neighborhood. And then you get that and you go, oh, that didn't do it for me because you still have to keep growing and learning. So, totally, yeah. And I have, I mean, the best part too about doing comedy at my age is, is like, I'm sort of a unicorn, you know? Totally. Yeah. Totally. I and mean, like that perspective is so incredible because I just feel like you hear the same jokes, you hear the same people. And so just to have like a different perspective is so refreshing. Yeah. And, and it's really yeah. interesting to um, find out that so many young men like to talk about their dicks. <laughs> I didn't know that until I started doing stand up. Like, really? Honestly, yeah, I feel like that's the focus of it. Like, I feel like a lot of men are drawn to comedy because they're obsessed with their dicks. Yeah. That's just like how they're going to channel their frustrations yeah, out on everybody else. I feel like that's just, I can't listen to it. <laughs> I know. And, you know, and then there's the masturbation, which they make, I feel sorry for men. Like they feel so guilty about masturbating mm. and women don't feel that way. No, I don't think so. There's like a shame around talking about it, but yeah. then I feel like there's not like guilt. It's more like we're told not to talk about it. Yeah. Not that we feel like bad about it. Well, I, when my, my daughter was younger and she's 28 now, but when she was in her late teens, um, I sort of saw that look on her face where I knew she was like, I, I didn't want her to use a live dick as a dildo, basically. <laughs> so I, so I ended up taking her to uh, Babeland up in Seattle and we went sex toy shopping together because I thought that was the smartest thing to do, um, yeah. you know, before she even got sexually active with, you know, I mean, I think who knows? I mean, at her age, she wasn't sure she was straight or gay. I was trying to get her to be a lesbian until she was like 22. Sure. Because sure. I thought that was safe. She wouldn't get pregnant. Totally. <laughs> but I was open to her being anything she wanted to be. But I took her to Babeland and, um, you know, we did a mother daughter outing and it was amazing. I got her a book on masturbation. I bought her a sex toy. I bought myself a sex toy. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. She wasn't yeah. embarrassed by any of it? No, I think she was sort of like stunned. Yeah. And I think all her friends were really jealous. <laughs> and about two weeks after we went, um, I called her. I was talking to her on the phone because she wasn't living with me at the time. And I said, so how's that new toy friend of yours working out? She goes, mom, it's amazing. 
how's yours? Wow. And I said to her, well, I haven't taken it out of the plastic yet. And she's like, what? (laughs) (laughs) You think that like moms and daughters should talk about this stuff? Hell yeah. Yeah. Why not? Why not? It's just a sexual urge. It's just hormones. When you're going through puberty, puberty is a lot like menopause. Um, in the sense you have all these raging hormones going on in, in yourself and you, the same things happen except you go through reverse puberty when you're like 50, 55. So when you head into puberty, you become very self-conscious about everything about your body, mm-hmm. how you look, how people react to you. When you come at what I call your reverse puberty, you go, fuck it. I don't give a shit what you think about me. I'm going to do my shit. I don't have much time left on this planet. I'm Mm going to do whatever I want to do. I'm not getting pregnant. I'm not getting (laughs) pregnant. I'm not bleeding anymore. Thank God I'm done with that superpower. And uh, yeah, it's liberating because there is no expectations on a woman over 50. Mm. None. It's so interesting to hear the flip of it being liberating because you hear so many people say it's so hard being over 50. No one expects anything of you. You're kind of like obsolete and you're whatever you hear these things but to hear it be like it's liberating there's no expectation you can do whatever you want to do there was a really interesting article with Frances McDormand Mm -hmm. Um, it was an interview where her where she basically says um, that she loves being invisible Mm. And the problem with women is that, especially when we're younger, we're not invisible. We're all over fucking Instagram. We're, you know, constantly taking selfies. We have all of the software to change how we look. Uh, It's all about how we look. Everything, all the women's magazines, they're all about young women and how to look, how to, you know, do this with your eyebrows. What's the latest fashion? How to buy this? Nobody's nobody's like selling shit to older women except trying to make you look younger. Right. Oh, here, have some anti-ageless cream, you yeah. know. Here, have a, you know, an age-defying bra. Totally. And I'm like, bitch, I don't really care about my wrinkles. You know, I don't <laughs> care about my saggy tits. I want a new liver. <laughs> But those are my priorities. Yeah, I okay? want an age-defying liver. But exactly. Yeah, age-defying yeah. liver so I can go even drink more than I did before. And uh, yeah. Are there like, is that surprising? Like you didn't expect to feel that way when you went through menopause? Well, first of all, menopause lasts like, well, it's actually Mary Perry menopause. Mm. And I'm actually in menopause now for the rest of my life, right? Oh, I, mean, it's like, I didn't realize that. Okay. Yeah, because once you hit... Once you stop having periods for a year, that's the thing. But they don't know anything about it. They mm-hmm. don't know. Um, it can last anywhere. Perimenopause can last anywhere from four to 10 years. It's insane. That's crazy. Nobody talks about it. That's crazy. I actually think, you know, I mean, if people talk about how f- hot flashes and all of that, but everybody has their own way of going through it, just like they have their own way of going through puberty. You know, not everybody has the same experience or goes through puberty at the same time. Mm -hmm. So we don't know anything about it. We do know from studies that have been done, like some women have written about this, that we start um, having fewer, you know, our hormones change. So your, so your boobs change, for instance, like it's more fat and less of the dense breast tissue that you have when you're younger, oh. which makes your boobs kind of heavier in a way. Wow. It's not necessarily that they're going to be saggier. In fact, one out of five women will find themselves getting larger breasts in menopause. Wow. Which happened to me. I'm like, fuck that shit. Wow. If I had known that, I would have had a breast reduction 10 years ago. But yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. And so you're finding women who had breast implants when they were younger, getting them taken out in their 50s because they don't want that heaviness. What you'll also find is they they see that your hormones level change. So therefore, like the, um, you know, the oxytocin, the um, 
that bonding hormone, that thing goes way down. So my theory is, you know, how they always have say that, you know, older men like to go after younger women. I don't think that's necessarily true. I think younger women who still have that bonding hormone go after older men to take care of them. Wow. Because they're finding that more women my age are actually initiating divorces. Interesting. Yeah, because look, think about it. They've taken care of their kids. Yeah. They've taken care of their parents. And, you know, they don't really feel like, you know, changing some guys depends. Exactly. That's exactly. It. Like, what's the goal? I guess you'd want companionship. You'd want, you know, at at you'd want someone to take care of you. But the reality is you'd probably be taking care of the guy. Like that would be the end result. <laughs> yeah, unless you have somebody younger. You know, that's I mean true. that's I mean it actually makes more sense. It in makes a way. sense to date for women to date younger and then yeah. they die earlier, so you're like evening it out. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's so And their dicks yeah. still work. And their dicks still work. When do yeah. they stop working? <laughs> oh, I would say probably that starts in their forties. Okay. Late forties. Yeah. It all depends on the guy yeah. and what he's done with his life. Or his dick, I guess. <laughs> So men are probably like at their best in their 30s. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or 18. Uh, <laughs> this is one reason you should have more sex as a teenager. I mean, really think about it. Your life is tough enough. You know, that whole time between 20 and 30, you should be fucking everybody all yeah. the time. Yeah. I don't understand people who like start. I, I mean, I guess, you know, everybody, the millennials are in the gig economy and they don't have much choice. But to me, I just see young people like swiping right and not really fucking, you know, it's yeah. like everything is about, I can't make up my mind. I can't make up my mind. It's right. like you're in Trader Joe's, which chocolate should I get? And so then you leave without a chocolate at all because you couldn't make up your mind. Right. Too right. much choice. I wonder like versus your, you mentioned like the cocaine disco era. Now, how... It feels to see like young kids, that's how they're meeting. I feel like that was a fun era. Like there weren't, there wasn't that fear of STDs and there wasn't the social footprint. Like you could meet someone and then never see them again. And here I feel like in this era, you're constantly, like you mentioned online and you like can connect with these people and you are constantly swiping it on your phone. Like people don't just like meet anymore. My idea of when you were first dating is that people met in person. Yeah. And that seems amazing. (laughs) I know. But, you know, probably it happens the same way with some people. I mean, you know, you'd go to a bar, you know, you'd look at somebody across the the way and you make eye contact and you start talking and then, you know, you you might fuck them right there. Who knows? (laughs) Uh, It all depends on what you're doing. But yeah, that was typically what happened. And that's how you met. Now, how I met my husband was at work which was weird but oh, yeah. um because I was working part time as what's called a word processor a career that no longer exists <laughs> thank you to computers wow but, yeah. you were were you typing yeah 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 so i was just like transcribing i would get tapes and i would just transcribe and i would like start out i work like 5 to midnight um, weird hours so I could wear whatever I wanted. And I would sit in the bottom of this downtown building and I would like smoke a joint mm-hmm. before I'd go upstairs and transcribe all night. <laughs> I don't know. That's how fucking boring my job yeah. was. I could be high and do it. That's and it amazing. Was fine. But yeah, you'd meet people. And the good thing too is you don't have like, I always think it's weird that people like send photos of their body parts. Yes. Because I'm thinking that maybe there's like a few Polaroids of me out right. there, but they're fading. 
Yes. They won't be around for long. They won't be around. I have, so my cousin is a criminal defense attorney and always talks about those photos because you can also, they can end up on a porn site or they can end Mm -hmm. up somewhere and you don't have any control over that sometimes. Like your phone gets hacked and it gets sent somewhere and then you can go to prison for that. I know. It's very dangerous to send those photos. I know. Back in the day, you send a Polaroid. There's no trail. You can rip it up. You can do whatever. You can keep it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And now, yeah, they're everything. I'd, I would never. I mean, I've gotten a few dick pics in my time. Yeah. But old guys don't send dick pics because they can't find that camera app on the phone. <laughs> So it's more a technology thing than an age thing yeah, or a, exactly. you know, a culture thing. It's just like they can't find the button. <laughs> no, they just can't. So then you were married for 25 years, you yeah. said? Uh-huh. Wow. And had two kids? Three. Three kids. Yeah. And then, so yeah, I'd imagine that like you're entering a whole different era now. You're entering a whole different landscape. Oh, yeah. It was crazy. It's like the first thing I noticed was like, when did straight people starting start putting stuff up their butt? Oh, that's new? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Because I mean, I was at 25 years in the same marriage. And, you know, basically, I think about every seven years we would change positions. But, (laughs) (laughs) but, you know, we, we were having sex, but I never thought about having anal with my husband. And then I come out into the single world and that's what everybody's talking about. Is that because of porn, you think? Because of like the internet porn stuff? I don't know. Mm. But, you know, I'm like, uh, you know, you're going to have to give me the same drugs that they gave me for my colonoscopy to do anal. (laughs) I need to be out completely. (laughs) so crazy. It's like you're in a time machine and you get out and it's like, oh, now people are obsessed with butts. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Miss that. Yeah. Interesting. Like vaginas are old school now. That's so true. They're old school. School. They're like traditional. (laughs) (laughs) That's so true. So it's like more butt stuff. The dick pics. Pics. Yeah. (sighs) I do think, I mean, it is good. Like if you are looking for younger men, the internet is helpful for that. You can be more specific in the age selection. You can pick a younger guy. Yeah, but I would say that there's a certain age range that now wants to look at breeding. So they're mm-hmm. not going to date an older woman because they're they they're looking to have kids. And yeah. so their biological clock is ticking and they're thinking I want to be a father, so they're not going to want to date me. Right. Which leaves the really younger men who have these, you know, uh these mother issues or grandma issues, I should say. But you know, it is good to know that uh, older women can get jobs in the industry. Yeah, that's great. So we just, so in yeah, I mean, doing- you can go anywhere. I have them on my Tumblr. I've done some uh, lingerie photo shoots that are very, because I'm obviously involved with my bra book involved in the lingerie industry. So I've done some very tasteful lingerie photo shoots and I end up with guys on Tumblr following me, you know, like their names are like, I fuck grannies. (laughs) (laughs) I fuck grannies. And you go, does that feel good? Do you like that? I don't know. I go to the feed and I go, this is what they think I look like. Right. Because when I hear granny, I think of like a much older woman than you. I don't think of you as a granny. (laughs) But some of these women who are doing granny porn and they call it MILF, some of it, but it is granny porn because these women are grandmothers. That's so crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. And now you're like in a category. I mean, we're always putting women in categories, but now you're in a whole new one. That's right. And like probably didn't see that coming. Nope. I was surprised when there were MILFs for sure. Yeah. Uh, I always hated the word cougar. Yeah. But but then I started embracing it a bit because I realized they were calling, you know, um, 60 year olds panthers. And now I guess when you're 70, you can be a snow leopard. So (laughs) I think of it, you know, I like the fact that I'm now big game pussy. (laughs) 
I'm in a whole new category. The category of my own making. Okay. That's so good. You've really taken things back and made them your own in a way I find so inspiring. As someone who's constantly not like buying the anti-aging thing, but thinking about it and being like, I have a timeline and I have to do this by this age and I have to have that. You're like, you're just going to end up worst case scenario, big game pussy. Yeah, (laughs) that's the worst case scenario. Or that, or you'll get a job in grandma porn. I don't know, but yeah, uh, either way, it sounds yeah. like there's two options. <laughs> so that's that's great post retirement. Yes, and then so your body, like you mentioned, that your boobs get harder and heavier. Well, they get heavier. heavier. They don't necessarily get harder. They get fattier, so they're actually softer um, than you know firm. Young breasts are ha- are more dense. They have more dense breast tissue, which is the other reason why mammograms don't work on them because everything mm, looks the same. Gotcha. But um, yeah, everything starts, you know, falling a little bit, uh, getting... Did that make you sad when that started? Mm. No, because here's the interesting thing, because inside I still feel like I'm 25. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's just that the whole body, and and the other way around for me was when my body was hotter, hotter because you're younger, that's the only, you know, it's firmer and the skin is tighter and all of that. You look really great, but you have no appreciation for that. And you've got nothing going on in your head or your soul or your mind or your, you know, you're so insecure, or at least for me, I was so insecure when I was younger that uh, I was self-conscious about everything. I worried what people thought about me. I would rather be with a body that's growing a little mold on it and have no more fucks to give. I would rather have that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, especially since I know my mind is still there, you know, that yeah. I'm, knock on wood, uh, that, you know, I feel like a younger person. It, it It's only depressing when I start looking at older men's, um, you know, profiles, when I'm looking on dating sites. And I, I don't think men age as well as women. Oh, they definitely don't. They don't. Even at my 10-year high school reunion, I thought I was looking at people's dads. I yeah. was like, oh, you've just fallen off the cliff. Like, yeah. you are gone. Yeah. But I feel like the women were getting more beautiful. Yeah. I think personally, uh, I look better now than I did 20 years ago. Wow. And that has more to do with attitude, attitude. and, and self confidence than it does anything else. Yeah. And, um, and I think that's, I would rather, I don't want to trade that. I mean, it's odd really because you, you reach this. T- I like to say it's like a car driving on the highway. You know, you, all of a sudden you're living your life and you think you're driving like, you know, a really nice Jaguar down the highway and it's, you know, a beautiful car. And then all of a sudden you wake up and realize it's just like a radial station wagon. And so you start pumping on the brakes, trying to get it to slow down. And, and you, you know, because you realize what's ahead is a fucking cliff and you don't want to go off of it. So my feeling is that when you see a little old lady swerving on the highway, just remember she's trying to stay alive. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great point. Don't give don't her a break. At her, yeah. Don't flip her off. Just go. Oh, I, she sees I get the it. cliff. Yeah. She's just she's trying like to get around slowly. it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, so. I think that's a really good point you brought up too. That like. Sure, maybe you were quote unquote hotter. You were just younger. Like, yeah. what? it's just it doesn't mean anything. It's yeah. just your skin's a little less, you know, saggy. Period. And yeah. the list. It's like the Judge Judy quote: "Beauty fades, but dumb is forever." Yeah, that's true. That's true. But again, we're not seeing women. I mean, the women that I love, uh, like Helen Mirren and mm-hmm. Frances McDormand, mm-hmm. those people. And this is the second part. I don't know if I finished my point about this, but mm-hmm. being invisible 
is the most liberating thing you can find because there is nothing to compare yourself to out there. Yeah, there's a handful of, you know, people like Helen Mirren, but they're like movie stars. And um, and you can really realize I get to write my own book at this point in my life. Mm -hmm. Nobody's writing my book. Nobody's handing me a magazine saying this is what older women should wear. And even if they do write that article, you say, oh, fuck off. Yeah, yeah. Um, So, yeah, I see older people doing all sorts of incredible things with their lives. And older women just like somebody said this to me recently, older men slow down, older women speed up. Ooh, I love that. Yeah. I think partly that's because we've been taking care of other people our whole lives. And we wake up and go, "Mm, I think I'll take care of myself. Yeah. I think it's, you know, I'm, you realize your kids don't need you. Yeah. They really don't need you. Maybe a check once in a while, but you know, they don't, they don't, need you like the way they did when they were little. Yeah. And and they're and they should be carving out their own lives. They shouldn't yeah. be calling you none of mine do. I mean actually none of my kids call me because who the fuck calls anybody anymore, right? They right. just text you. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So you don't even have that to deal with. You don't even have the phone calls to schedule. So do you feel like your friends feel the same way as you or are you unique? Like your female friends who are in your same age group? Well, I don't have a lot of female friends in my same age group, but the ones that I do have are also comedians. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And yeah, they're dating younger men and they're out there doing their thing. Um, I think that, you know, it's, it's interesting when you meet women my age, some of them maybe have never gotten married and they get married at like 58 right and they marry some other guy who's like 45 yeah and it's pretty awesome yeah that seems like, like a good way to do to it. it yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> like you avoid that whole thing that whole middle chapter you were talking about like you having kids like having part, kids. yeah do you, you think people shouldn't have kids <laughs> i don't think there should be anything negative about not having kids yeah. because it is it's a dna crapshoot you don't know what you're gonna get and uh you know there are sometimes I don't like my children very much, and uh, and that's okay. I yeah. don't think we have to be like oh. And I think you know we mostly what we hear is we hear kids complaining about their parents, but you know we changed your fucking diapers for seriously, you know years, and you know I mean we were sick for the first ten years of your life because you brought us the flu every time you had it. Yeah, so uh, we went through a lot. Yeah. I think it's okay. Totally, you yeah. touch so much duty. Like yeah. you get a pass. And also women especially Mm. get screwed on motherhood. Mm -hmm. I mean, my daughter's told me more than once, she sees no reason to get married because she'll end up doing all the work, you know? Totally. Either that's of your own making because you want to be in charge of that. You know, I've seen that too. I've seen women who do too much at home because they want to be in control of that. Or it's, you know, the fact that men aren't, you know, they're, they're like, I remember when my, when I'm, I was a stay at home mom and my husband traveled a lot. And if I had to go out one night and he was watching the kids, the kids would say, Oh, dad's babysitting us. I'm like, what the fuck? He's your father. He's your father. He's yeah. not a babysitter. Yeah. 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 I was just talking with someone yesterday too about how like, um, people say the word adulting. Have you heard this yes. word? And it's yeah. like, you're just being an adult. That's what that is. Like, this is yeah. the same thing with the babysitting thing. It's like, you're just doing the job that you signed up for. Yeah. This is a, being an adult is being a father. That's yeah. crazy. It drives me crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, but I think the studies show that women do 70% of or 90% of all the chair care. I can't even remember what it is. It's 70% we make on the dollar and maybe it's 90% of the child. I mean, we do all everything. Yeah. And then women end up taking care of their parents as mm-hmm. well for mm-hmm. the most part. And um, 
So there's a huge burden of care on us. And then where does your career fit into that? Because there's so many people to take care of and never yourself, like you were talking about. You never take care of yourself. And then in addition to that, what do you do with your career and how do you find time to do things that are fulfilling until your kids are free and then the job that you had doesn't exist anymore? If you were like, I'm going to go back and do what I did, it doesn't (laughs) exist anymore. It's crazy. Yeah. I'm just glad I know I can get a job in porn. But yes, that's um, always good to know. Yeah, that's good to have. (laughs) But um, yeah, it isn't. My job doesn't exist anymore. And, you know, of course, they're not going to hire older people as well. I mean, there's a lot of ageism in our society. Totally. Um, So I think for me, I created my own career, you know, as a writer and, and doing other things, you know, you you carve out what you can. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I feel like I'm really blessed because at least I walked out, you know, of my marriage. I mean, at some point, I'll be able to collect on Social Security. Yay! Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if it's still around, I don't know. There's that. There's but, that. Yeah. But no, it's 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 all good. I I like my time now. I sometimes I was sitting in a restaurant the other night looking at all the... 20 and 30 year olds having a glass of wine. And I thought I would not trade anything to be that age, anything at all. Uh, like what's yeah. the first thing that comes to mind of like why you wouldn't oh they're stressing about money yeah. they're I don't I'm like fuck if I die tomorrow who the fuck cares yeah. right? right you know it's like <laughs> right whatever what am I worried about yeah, yeah nothing I mean it's just stuff totally at my age you want to get rid of stuff yeah. like every time do you, do you have that problem like you go to your parents house and they go can you take this can you take this how about this wouldn't you want this that's what happens you start you know you spend all this time accumulating shit and then you wake up one day and go oh, I, I got to take care of this shit. Right. So then you start getting rid of it. Right. So you spend the second half of your life getting rid of all the stuff you work so damn hard to buy. That's, there's, it feels like we're touching on, there's like a new model for a life that should just be the way it is, where yeah. women don't marry till, or never marry, but marry later, mm-hmm. are very much allowed not to have kids and maybe never just accumulate things. Like yeah. just don't, buy all this shit and don't buy the house. You don't need the house. It's not going to make you happy. Like have yeah. less. Yeah. That's yeah. so interesting. I, I rent and it's the first yeah. time I've rented in since I was in my 20s. And that's crazy. Yeah. To have to go back, you know, from I've owned three different homes and I, I don't I love having a landlord. I love having a landlord. I can call and say, yeah, this fucking isn't working. When are you going to fix it? I totally. Mean, totally. <laughs> like, it's not yeah. on you. Yeah. yeah. Just get it like, fixed. Yeah. yeah. Totally. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. And you talked about how you have this new career chapter as an author. And I'm interested in that because you're you're specifically, you've written a lot of books about breasts, right? I That's- wrote a book called Boobs, yeah. A Guide to Your Girls, uh-huh. Think Owner Slash Style Manual. Um, and that was a crazy road that I didn't really start writing until I was 49. So it really came late. And I... I was taking a creative writing class and everybody in the class was writing memoir and I called my story about my boobs, my memoir. (laughs) So, uh, and everybody started telling me their memoir stories. And so I came up with this idea for the book and I ended up pitching it up at a writer's conference in Canada and I got signed with an agent Mm -hmm. and then she sold the book before I wrote it because it was nonfiction. So it was really a crazy wild ride. That's amazing. That, um, and this... And then, of course, um, I wrote the book and uh, the book was coming out in October. Uh, A month after the book came out, um, I ended my marriage and my husband moved out and then I sold my house and then my dad died. All of that happened in three months time. Yeah. So 
yeah, I had this whole, all the stuff that they tell you that you're supposed to, you know, supposed to be really traumatic. That all happened to me like in three months. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's okay. I made it through. You yeah. Know, it's fine. And then I ended up moving to LA. So, um, cause I like the vibe in LA. I like the fact that nobody here is old, uh, <laughs> which means there's only, I'm a unicorn here. I like that. <laughs> Nobody here is old, but everyone's old. If you really look, yeah. if you look beneath the plastic, there's yeah. some old people. Well, there's a lot of old men. Yeah. I mean, like, where do the w- old women go? They just die? No, like, they, they just don't. disappear? <laughs> I don't know. I, I I don't think there's very many of us. But I noticed this thing because I, I live in West Hollywood. So I walk around a lot at night and I'll, I'll walk by these bars and I'll see some old guy with a younger woman. And, um, you know, he's busy talking to his friend and the younger woman is standing and waiting for the car. And I I just look at the younger woman and I think, oh, that poor thing. She has to go home and fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, I, I'm not envious. I just like, go, yeah, oh, poor thing. poor thing. She's stuck. You just want to be like, hey, hey, hey come hey, over here. Come you over. don't have to do, do that. <laughs> you don't. You're better than that. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, and then, you know, I mean, I think, there is, you know, there's this thing of women being ageless, like I said, which I think is really scary because, you know, their face looks like they're 40. Um, you know, the tits look like they're 15, but their knees look like they're 70. <laughs> so yeah. it's the like, knees don't lie. <laughs> yeah, the knees don't lie. But it's like, now they're getting Botox in their knees. Oh, my and, God. That's the other thing. Yeah. This is a tangent. But like how many parts of the body a woman is expected to now modify feels yeah. like it's different than it was 20 years ago because oh, yeah. there's vaginal rejuvenation. rejuvenation. Yeah. There's knee Botox. It's like every part of your body can now be manipulated. It's crazy. And, you know, and I realize that there, the lo- people who watch a lot of porn do have a difficulty I and mean, they show in studies both men and women have difficulty enjoying a real normal body if they mm-hmm. watch a lot of porn but i don't think any of us i mean i don't think that the majority of us watch that much most of us use it as a supplement not as a main you know those guys on reddit that's what they do they, right. they watch a lot of porn <laughs> exactly but um I, I, the thing i've noticed especially being in the boob business is that i have ended up talking you know mm, straight guys they don't give a shit. They don't care if our boobs are big or small or lopsided. You know, they just want to be around any boobs at all. Totally. Like, just want them naked. Okay. (laughs) Give them to me naked. Let me see them. Right. Like this one guy said to me, uh, because, you know, there's like a lot of um, still a a, a lot of weirdness around women who have breast implants and they call it fake. And this one guy said, hey, if I can see them, they're plenty real. You know, (laughs) so they don't care. They don't care. They don't care if your thighs are wobbly or women, our brains are wired to see all these little details. We notice when we have a zit on our chin and or something in our teeth, but men just see the gist of things for the most part. And they don't notice that. And their focus is, you know, their focus is on getting you, if they're younger, their focus is on getting you naked. Right, right. I mean, the thing is, if you're going to date a really younger man, you're going to date a man who all he thinks about is his dick. (laughs) Right. What age is that? Like, are we talking like 20? (laughs) I would say I'd say early 20s. Yeah, I would say 20 to 25. I know. (laughs) 26, 27, 28, (laughs) 32, 33. Exactly. And you know, old guys think about their dicks too, but they're more worried about if it's ever going to work again. You know, (laughs) I mean, that's why (laughs) orgasms when you're older, you know, they're so much better because, um, you know, you never know if it's your last one. (laughs) Pretty intense. Yeah, pretty intense. (laughs) 
Yeah. So all, the, the, all that. Yeah. Um, so with the relationship with breasts, like what do you see with women with their own breasts? I feel like a lot of women ignore them or they just try to shove them down or they're like not, you know, like they don't want to put them on display. How do you feel about that? I think Victoria's Secret has done a real disservice to women in their mm. body image. Interesting. Um, because all of that is from the male gaze. Yes. So think about this. This store was created for men to have a place to go buy lingerie for women by the guy who initially started Victoria's Secret before he jumped off a bridge, sold it, and then jumped off sold a bridge, <laughs> and jumped off a bridge. But it's like women go in and shop for lingerie thinking that they have to buy something that a man is going to like on them. Yeah. Not realizing men don't give a shit. They want right. us naked. Okay. Right. I mean, any woman who's bought beautiful lingerie realizes that it doesn't stay on very long. You know, it's on the floor in like 30 seconds. So that's not the focus. So why are we buying our under things with a straight guy in mind when we might not even be straight? Totally. <laughs> you know, totally. Like, this is how they're selling us this. And they're also selling us this. 1% of the population that has super long legs and has a German accent and yeah. and has long flowy hair. And yeah. I, you know, I aged out of Victoria's Secret after, you know, my second kid. There's no way I could find anything in there that fit me or fit my new boobs that were not as perky as they were before kids. Right. And like a bra should also be practical. It should be something that you feel comfortable walking around in and is going to support you and help your back and all these things. And it's like these things are just these like push up shelves that you just like put your boobs on and walk around over and like try to keep them in. <laughs> yeah. It's, I, I call it tits on a platter bras. Yeah. <laughs> They're just out there. But the, on the other hand, I see that changing. Mm -hmm. I see that the smaller boutiques coming about, they're giving women and empowering. I mean, the reason I wrote my book is to demystify the whole bra buying experience and let people know, yeah, you wear more than one size in a different style. But also you, Victoria's Secret, while it's out there and in every mall, there's a gazillion other brands that have been around longer than Victoria's Secret. So totally. It's it's like your shoes. It's like, uh, you know, you've got flip-flops in your closet and you've got high heels and stilettos and you've got wedgies and you've got tennis shoes. You want that in your bra wardrobe as well. You want some sports bras. You want some sexy time bras. You know, you want some uh, Saturday, I'm just going to hang out in my sweats bras. That's okay. It's yeah. just like a different lifestyle. Totally. And um, so I want people to understand it's not like, one bra isn't going to solve the problems. One bra brand is not going to solve the issues for all women. And also Victoria's Secret only goes from like A to double D and women go up to a K, L, M, N, you right, know? Right. So it's like, we don't, we're leaving out all of these people. Totally. And we're leaving out people with different sexual orientations. Mm -hmm. um, we're leaving out people who've had kids. <laughs> we're, you know, we're leaving out all sorts of people. Yeah. So it's, it's a really narrow to me, it's like an old fashioned narrow view of women. And we have, and I don't know, maybe they'll change, maybe they won't. But I think women are going to have to say, I'm not shopping there anymore until you do. I know it's true. And like, I hate that the fashion show is on TV, that that's, they presumably consider it entertainment when I think it is just like parading that image in front of people yeah. and making women feel bad about themselves. It's the most like that. traditionalist view of women I can possibly totally. imagine. Yeah, yeah. Like a very narrow no, view of view, beauty. View, yeah. yeah. Um, and what was I going to ask you about that? Because that brings up there was like an Oprah 10 years ago. Yes. And it was, it was the one about the bras. I feel like that was like a very iconic episode because everyone's wearing the wrong size. Yeah. And that is something that 
I can only cite that as a time in pop culture or mainstream media where we've talked about bra sizing. <laughs> like, yeah. I feel like no one talks about it because my experience getting my first bra was my mom took me to Marshall Fields in Chicago and a woman like gave me just like a thing to strap around myself and I was ashamed and we walked out. And then from there, I had no information about like what else to do or where to go. And so I think it's great that you're doing this because I just think women we don't know what we're doing. Yeah. Well, and it's insane. And you're told all the time, 85% of women wear the wrong size bra. Well, complete that whole statistic is complete bullshit. Mm. Okay. Because 100% of women wear the wrong size bra. Why? Because every bra has different fitting standards. Right. So you, you're not going to, 100% of women are never going to fit into the same brand. Totally. So yeah, if you're, you know, you try on three different brands, you might wear three different sizes. Yeah. So quit hitting women over the head like they're stupid and they don't know yes. their tits. Hello. Yes. Yeah. Well, I think we know them. Yeah. Yeah, we pretty well. Yeah. We know them pretty well. <laughs> and this is the same thing, that, which is why a lot of doctors aren't telling women to have to perform breast self-exams anymore because they were finding out that women knew their own breasts well enough. They were finding they or their lovers were finding these lumps mm. and it was really a matter of the doctor listening to them totally. and following through because they knew their bodies. And I think women know their bodies really right. well. If we notice a little tiny zit above our right eyebrow yeah. and that stresses us out for 48 hours, uh, you know, we're going to notice a lump in our boobs without somebody telling us about it. That's a great point. Yeah, that's a great point. And we need to trust that, that what we know. And, and the thing that irritates me is that of course, you know, when younger women gets, get breast cancer, it's way more um, aggressive. So it's important that they have a doctor that listens to them. But oftentimes doctors aren't listening to that. And they're just like poo-pooing these women's concerns. And that's, to me, the real problem is that we need to be teaching our doctors more about women and their breasts. And especially like doctors don't learn anything about breastfeeding um, in their training at all. Mm. So that's why you need lactation consultants to help because it's breastfeeding is not something that just comes naturally all the time to you and baby. And it's very important, but we haven't made women's bodies a priorities except to try to control our breeding. That's yeah. Yeah. Know, that's the priority. Like that, if you look at any sort of conversation, yeah. it's always about controlling our breeding and yeah. list. that's it. And yeah. in the meantime, what, you know, the, the, you know, maternal death rates are climbing in mm. the United States. What, who do we care about? You know, right. we don't care about the mother and we don't care about the baby once it's born. Yeah. We just carry, you know, we carry about the fact whether or not you can get pregnant. And I really think it all goes back to, you know, the patriarchy having to control women because the fact is, you know, being able to give birth and create another human being and sustain it with your breast milk is pretty fucking awesome. That is pretty fucking awesome. It even is. doing one of those things is pretty fucking awesome. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Yeah. And uh, even though you don't know how they're going to turn out. Yeah. It's yeah. a miracle. It truly is. It is. It's, it's crazy. And it then is. you think about all the shitheads, you know, who came through that process and it's like, just be grateful. Yeah, be grateful You're you were born. Yeah. Yeah. Don't be such an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> That's what exactly. I think. Oh my God. Um, this has been such an illuminating conversation. Do you have like parting wisdom, like a thing that stands out? I mean, you mentioned, I think you have so much wisdom in what you just said, but like <laughs> specifically a like Can somebody give me a job doing that. So I, I really just, think yeah. you could, honestly. I don't know, like just say consultant. I feel like people say consultant <laughs> and it can be anything. Yeah. Um, like parting wisdom for a young women that may be listening, like anything else you want to say to them? 
I think that you should appreciate the fineness of your body at whatever age, especially when you're younger, no matter whether you think you're overweight or you think your thighs are too big or your ankles are too big, whatever, your eyebrows are too thick, whatever it is. I will tell you that in five or 10 years, you're going to look back and go, shit, what the fuck was I thinking? <laughs> and that's what's happened to me every stage of the way. I will go, I will remember having a photo taken care, taken of me and thinking, oh, I look horrible. Yeah. I look too fat. I look too this. I look, my hair's too frizzy. Or, you know, it's like when you have straight hair, you want curly hair. When you want, when you have curly hair, you want it straight. It's like we're always wanting something instead of just embracing what we are because nobody else is paying attention. No one gives a fuck about you Mm because they're all in their own head worried about themselves. Like, I think it's really funny when people say, you know, they they say there's all this pressure for women to look a certain way in a bikini and, you know, get your bikini body and a bikini body is like me putting on a bikini and that's it. Right, exactly. I go to the beach all the time in LA and I see women of all shapes and sizes. And when I see a woman wearing a really skimpy bikini whose body isn't perfect, I admire her. Me too. I look at her and I go, right on. Yeah. You look fabulous. You're rocking that bikini. You yeah. And I I am proud of her for doing that. And it gives me inspiration. And, you know, so I just think that we don't appreciate what we have when we have it. And we don't appreciate um, that, you know, we're healthy and and we, our pores aren't big. <laughs> <laughs> That? That's great. Yeah, that's amazing advice. That's appreciate a, your small pores. Appreciate your pores. At the end of the day, if your pores are small, you're well, good. good. That's yeah. great advice. After all of that body positivity, you just want to yeah. make sure your pores, pores are small. small. <laughs> that's amazing. So, Elizabeth, where can people find you on the internet for more uh, wisdom? My 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 website is uh, thebreastlife.com. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at thebreastlife, and I'm also on Instagram at thebreastlife. Thank you so much for doing this. Oh, thank you for having me. This was really fun. This I really enjoyed awesome. it. Wow, uh, what an interview! I feel like a changed woman who's excited to be older, and I hope you are too. So that interview left me with a lot of questions and a lot of um, key takeaways. And I couldn't help but wonder more about whether she is just an amazing person who defies all odds or if what she's experienced is normal and what happens when you get older and your attitudes about sex and sexual peaks. So I, in this kind of instance, turn to my sister, Dr. Ellen Stoller, who you may have heard on previous episodes. She is a physician and the person I go to with all of my shameful, ungoogleable questions. So um, here's Ellen weighing in. All right. So this week, uh, I am debunking the notion of sexual peaks. Of note, uh, this is <laughs> take two of this debunk. Uh, it was initially seven minutes long, which Janie said was a little... A little much. So if you are interested in the, uh, you know, director's cut, uh, doctor's cut edition, please do Facebook message me and I will be happy to send that to you. All right. So, right. There's that commonly held uh, myth or whatnot that, oh, men have their sexual peak in their late teens. Women have their sexual peak in their 30s. What does that mean? Where does that come from? Well, first of all, where does that come from? Like a lot of things in our understanding of modern human sexuality, it comes actually from a 
a big study um, from Alfred Kinsey done back in the 1940s, which basically it was a survey um, asking people at what point in their lives were they having the most orgasms per week. So whether or not somebody as an individual would define that as a quote unquote sexual peak, we'll get to in a sec, but at least when people were having the most orgasms uh, per week, men said it was when they were in their late teens, women said it was when they were in their early to mid thirties. So that's where that initial kind of, you know, that initial standard or that initial uh, sociocultural idea gets planted. So um, there were, so first of all, there were two really good articles or two really good links that I'm either going to ask you to post in the show notes or that again, people are welcome to, Facebook message me about because uh, I'm a grandma and Facebook is my social media platform of choice. Uh, there's a really great article on bustle.com that basically looks at four different articles, surveys, etc., looking at different definitions of sexual peak um, and how it's defined. And one I liked the most was actually uh a research article from the journal Personal Relationships, a 2002 study, socially shared cognitions about desire, frequency, and satisfaction in men and women that looked to uh, dispel or kind of clarify this notion of sexual peak. So just one quote that I wanted to share from this article um, about kind of this, why this notion of sexual peak doesn't really register or doesn't ring true uh, for a lot of us is some of the discrepancy in this perception was perhaps due to participants' use of different definitions. That is, male sexual peak is more likely to be defined as high sexual desire, and female sexual peak is more likely to be defined as high sexual satisfaction. So that's just something to think about as we're trying to frame this discussion of what a sexual peak even means. But I just wanted to draw attention to this bustle.com resource that actually includes a link to a study of women of all ages and said that actually 89% of women surveyed for this survey uh kind of state even being in their 40s to 50s as at least the most experimental and possibly most sexually satisfying stage of their lives. So, you know, sexual peak when an individual person or group of people is at their quote-unquote sexual peak is really just going to vary by whatever that means to them. Uh, so that's kind of my debunk for this week. What you missed out on the seven-minute version of this is me basically going on a little bit of a Wikipedia deep dive about the movie Kinsey and finding out what um, Peter Sarsgaard's role in that movie was, because I had forgotten, even though I enjoyed that movie very much. And also kind of me poking fun at and uh, razzing the research company that did the study about uh, women later in life and how they define their sexuality. So again, if you want the director's cut, please Facebook message me uh, and I'll talk to you later. Thank you so much, Dr. Ellen, just for giving us a little sneak peek of what our lives are going to be like. That's fun. 
Thank you so much to you, the listener, for listening to this. I hope you enjoyed it. We really want to hear from you. So if you have more questions for Dr. Ellen or me or any of the experts we have on, please call and leave us a voicemail on our hotline. It's one 844 X. That's S-T-O-L-A-R-X. We would love to hear from you. And while you're at it, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a five-star review. Thank you so much for listening and we will be back every Monday. Forever Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram, at Forever Dog Team, and liking our page on Facebook.